It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts. Don't forget to check out our corporate career boost recruiter, and even student memberships at cboc.com. This is Dr. Jeremy Lookaball, and of course with me is Dr. Destiny Preet. We continue with our special series, The I.O. Show, where Dr. Destiny and I get together and we chat about I.O. and not I.O. Welcome to the show. Dr. Destiny Preet, what is happening tomorrow? Or, if you're listening to the podcast today, or... If you're listening to the podcast late on 11, 11, 22. Besides me taking a day off of work, Veterans Day. Yes. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> I like when your eyes get wide. I can tell you're excited. <laughs> I don't know. I could, I could just mute you and sometimes see when you're excited. You've got a huge veteran following. Let's just start out. How'd you get that veteran following? And why are people... Hey, how about I do this thing where I ask you seven questions at once and expect you to remember? It sounds like a uh, interview for the government. That's what they like to do. So familiar territory. Yeah. And then you can just answer the all seven questions with what you had for breakfast and what you plan to do for the weekend. And yeah, tell us why. And then also we to our vets. Talk to us about that. You just asked me the most loaded question on earth. So just so you know, let me start by saying that If you're listening in and you don't know my background, my parents, my mother, my brother, my dad, my husband, and myself have all served in the military are currently serving. My husband's active duty still. So that makes me both a veteran, a military brat, what we call somebody who grew up in the military and moved around with their family, a dependent, and also a military spouse. And so because of that, I have always had some sort of identity tie-in to the military community, whether I liked it or not. And so when I left the military and transitioned from the military into what people say, the civilian workforce, I took a gap, a break, basically, away from doing any kind of efforts like that. I only went to school. And so I was also a mother at the same time. So I had twins who were babies when I got out of the military. And then I had, I was pregnant with my third on my way out. And that's when I also decided to start my doctorate. So it's, it's kind of like when I talk about this a little bit, sometimes it's triggering, to be honest, it makes me a little bit emotional, kind of going backwards, thinking about the process, you know, how I got to we tour vads, how I got the following, because it's not simple. It was not a easy journey. It was a threaded journey where I kind of ran away from the military after I left and then I came back to it because my first job after I got out of the military was working with the military community as a career counselor. And that's where I found my true passion. I realized I was in my most natural setting, talking to service members, helping them figure out their path. And in that, I actually found my path, which is sometimes ironic if you think about it, you know, helping others identify theirs became my answer to my question of what is my why and what is my passion. So when that started that job, I started really taking everything I've been doing 
both in a professional, academic, personal sense, and really gearing it towards giving back to the community. And then I tell people that I really, truly believe in service beyond the uniform. In fact, I feel like I have been more connected to my community since I left and since I became more involved. And so over the last probably about six years, I have gained a large following of the veteran community for various different reasons, whether they met me in a job because I worked as a VA benefit advisor. I was also working as a transition coordinator for the Wounded Warrior Battalion. And if you're not familiar with all the things I just said, basically I helped service members who got injured find jobs. And not only did I help them find jobs, but I helped them find jobs based on their accommodations. So I really worked with the community in different ways. And through that, people, you know, connected with me. And then I started coaching and then I started mentoring. And throughout all of that, Jeremy, we haven't even got to the We Two Are Vets. Why? Because that really came and sourced from the engagements I had. But then my dissertation topic ended up being on the post 9-11 female veteran transition experience. And the words of those women in my dissertation inspired me to create We Two Are Vets, which is a nonprofit organization that I'm the president of. And the quick way to tell you the mission is it's H-E-R, honor, empower, and recognize. And so that was a very long explanation of how I got to where I am, but it was an emotional one. It was a really inspiring one. And it's one where now... I am able to actually connect the field of IO psychology and the military and veteran population. And it's honestly a place I would not rather like there's nowhere I'd rather be than here. Often, you know, sometimes for uh, for media and that we're looking through through the Internet for images that we can use that have a license that you can use commercially. And one of the popular ones that or I don't know if it's popular, but I see it all the time. It's uh, maybe like a chalkboard or something or a sidewalk, I think it is. And it says on the words there, it says passion led us here. And I kept, I keep thinking about that, especially as you're, you know, making your, your closing statements there for your description of how you got to where you're at. It helps us to see the journey because the emotional aspect of it, the passion aspect of it, and it's, it's like this mutuality loop. A friend of mine, Dr. Eli Berniker calls this type of thing when in larger communities, a mutuality loop, but we see how you have your, your initial stages, your family influences, and you mentioned your coaching and your mentoring and helping people in these really tough situations find work based on their skill sets, especially with the disabled veterans. So you have not just now you have really these high stakes situations and you're making a deep impact on people's lives, which again, it kind of has this circle thing going within you in terms of the feedback loop and what that provides to you. And then you mentioned like with your dissertation, the women that you talk to and you use the word inspire. That's why I call it, think about it as this mutuality loop. You're inspiring others and you're doing the work with your feet. And then these other women are inspiring you. So with that, you've just got this, it keeps going and it keeps fueling your passion and giving you this positive feedback. What I'm doing is right. This is fulfilling. I have, there's family history involved. There's purpose. And it sounds like uh, an incredible journey. Where do you see it going from here? A few directions. I, And I wanted to say, I appreciate all of that because all of that very much resonates with how I feel my journey has ended up. You know, I tell people now that my motto is I thrive when others thrive. And I really feel like that has a lot to do with how I, you know, manage to make it through this, this journey. 
And so in the future, I see a lot of things happening. For example, one of the best things that happened this week was that I actually was able to hire two people to onboard for We Tour Vets. And that was through actually a partnership with a university on their federal work study program. So if you're a university or institution listening, there are creative ways that you can build community partnerships and alliances with nonprofit organizations. And one way being through your federal work study program. So instead of, you know, if you're, you have an on campus uh, program, brick and mortar, what we call it, and you're having your federal work study students, you know, cashier at the bookstore, is that helpful to them? Question mark, rather than having them able to be out there building skill sets, building actual roles in actual positions, and then being able to use those resume skills and moving forward. So I was able to hire two people for We Tour Vets. One of them is a program manager. One of them will be a training and development program manager because we plan to do a lot of things uh, through a unique perspective. And the reality here is that I am an IO psychology professional, right? And so everything I do, I want to found, I want to base it in research. I want to make sure that it creates some sort of, you know, metric, some sort of tool. I want to make it create some impact. And so I kind of have been using We Tour Vets as almost a, <laughs> like a, an experiment of sorts through which I can kind of use my skill sets, bring people on, and then create some sort of outcomes and training and learning and certifications and coaching and all of this stuff. So that's the future of We Tour Vets. But the future for myself embedded in this community is that I've also started to create alongside CBOC, the military IO experts, IO military experts. And what that is, is really, I want it to be kind of like what we are doing with CBOC, where it becomes a community of people that are military affiliated coming together from in the field of IO psychology and being able to understand because not only does our field come with a lot of like interesting translatable, you know, challenges, but so does the transition from the military to civilian workforce. And so it is such a familiar territory <laughs> for veterans in this field and in this space. So I work with a lot of them. And in the future, I see a lot of opportunity out there for people, not only in our community of IO, but community of military, or even those who are advocates of. And then just a side note here too, like I'm also the PSYOP chair for the Military and Veterans Inclusion Committee, really finding ways to embed myself in opportunity to give back to community through professional lenses and through professional pathways is the most ideal place I can be. And that's my plan to keep trucking along that path. It seems like initially you're using your things that you're doing for your job and also your passion and inspiration and your skill set that you had then. Now you're making really positive waves with skill set, clout, all, all these resources that, that you've gained along the way. So it, it, it's very exciting about what's ahead. And I, I agree, the parallel is is striking. It's so nice to see, even with CBOC members that we have that are that are veterans, because we look at the industrial organizational psychology branding, everyone agrees, I would say, actually, we did a poll about 300 people, 92% yes, IO psychology does have a branding problem. Because if you're listening to the podcast, yeah, you probably have heard of it before. But we know that many people have never even heard of it, even though it's a field that's a hundred plus years old now. It makes me think, what do we need in terms of the branding? And I think that's what a lot of the experience, the perspective 
of military minded individuals bring is a lot of that structure, you know, working in the world's largest organization, that's very needed. And that's where we're looking at those in the military and also veterans to work alongside of us, be advocates for each other and create yet another mutuality loop so we can bring forth the the field of IO and give it the proper brand recognition that it needs. Destiny, let's play a game. You know, but many m- might know. My my grandfather was in the army. My dad was an air traffic controller in the Air Force for 20 years. I did not serve in the military. If I did, the time would have been when I was 18. But after I graduated from college, there was no way I was going to be able to handle, I don't think, that much structure in my life because I was ready to fly. And of course, I just went in the uh, entire entrepreneurial route, had a company up in Massachusetts, ended up selling that, started a couple others. I think if my dad would have mentioned it to me and gone hard on it, I probably would have gone in. But let's play a game anyway, because we both grew up as what some people deem military brats. So let's say who moved the most. Let's name the places that we've lived growing up in a military family. I think you're going to beat me, but you've... Yikes. Yikes. And I say that because now I have to not only backtrack and remember what I was doing as a child. And like, I've been in the military basically since I grew up, like was born, right? And so thinking about separating the the duty stations and back, probably the same situation you might've found yourself in real quick is that at that time, people were moving more iteratively, right? They were, you know, we, we didn't stay in one place more than three years, usually only a year to two years at the time. Now you have a little bit more stability. I lived in Savannah, Georgia. I lived in Japan, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Dugway, Utah. We lived in White Sands. Hmm. We lived in Fort Lee, Virginia. Trying to think. That's six places now. How about you, Jeremy? I think I'll have to do the same thing. I should have thought about this before I asked the question. Uh, Williams Air Force Base when I was in Texas or Arizona. It's no longer an Air Force Base. And then we moved to Texas, Fort Fort something. I mean, I, I was like, I don't know. I was still crawling on the ground with snakes at that point. That's what my mom says. So I was, I was young. So that's two. And then we moved to Han Air Force Base in Germany, which I don't think exists anymore. And then to Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas. Then my dad got stationed in Korea for a year. So then I was in Pennsylvania with family. And then after that, we moved to Langley Air Force Base in Virginia. And that's where he retired. How many is that? Five? That's six, technically. Hey, we tied. We're tied. (laughs) Yeah, we're tied. Look at that. All right. I guess there's no way to have a tiebreaker because it's over. (laughs) I mean, it kind of brought me back to some of those memories, though, too, when I was thinking through it. Because we went to some of those places two times. Like, we went to Fort Bragg twice. I do believe we went to Fort Lee twice. I know I went back to Fort Lee with my husband. My husband and I were both stationed for four years. My entire time in the military that I served was in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And in the army, we all joke that that's like the black hole of like the army because it literally sucks you in. And then it's hard to leave because there's so much opportunity there. It's not a negative thing. It's definitely a positive thing, but because you could jump around from brigade to the unit to different kinds of settings, but still be doing the same occupational code. And so I found myself in that situation uh, with my husband, but now, and my husband has moved even without us and moved back home 
a few times. So, you know, I'm used to this lifestyle, I'm used to the fast pace, and I'm used to understanding all the challenges that come with that too. A lot of people don't think about the impact it really and truly makes on the family, both the the kids and the and the spouse, especially during even the transition period as well. You know, I in fact, interestingly enough, the last couple of weeks, I've had a, several retirees reach out to me and say, "Hey, Destiny, what should my spouse know?" about this or what should I think about talking about with my spouse because they're having challenges through this period too because think about it it's a whole different transition life change and you know for them too that's a different pace and so there's so many things honestly if you're out there listening and you're interested in working with the military community and particularly targeting our field there is so much space for IO professionals working alongside this demographic there certainly is Going back, because you mentioned, you know, you said, what should my spouse know? My, unfortunately, my mind, I started thinking about what I wanted to think about. So I think I missed what you said, but that's okay. A lot of military parents will say the moving around is going to not be good for my child moving around so much, not being able to provide roots and have them make friends. I wouldn't give it away. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. My perspective on meeting so many different people in different areas, different types of people. I mean, I've lived in, I've lived or experienced, I think every area that the United States can, can provide with where I've been, not just growing up, but with travels as well. And I did miss out on a couple of things. I think I told you, I never took a chemistry class because that was between schools, between whatever the grades based on what their curriculum was and never took a typing class either. So I'm basically, you know, I'm a dinosaur now still trying to make my way through through typing and, and, and teaching myself to type a little faster each day, but I wouldn't take it away for the world. And I think that the way it shaped me was just absolutely amazing. And I know that won't be the experience for everyone, but what do you say? I absolutely agree. I, I wouldn't have changed anything. In fact, I truly believe it has been one of the keys to my success um, as an adult was being able to, t- to talk to anybody. Once again, you know, some people say, oh, the roots. But for me, it was like, hey, I get a clean slate everywhere I go. Nobody knows who I am, you know, and nobody knows what I did or nobody knows if I was the cool girl or the not so cool girl or whatever. And so I can create an opportunity for myself one way or the other if I chose to everywhere I went. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the military life. So definitely wouldn't change anything. And I think it is it's. Also, because and it sounds to me like, did you go overseas, you said? Germany. Okay, yeah. So I also had an experience overseas in Japan. And like, it was some of the best memories of my childhood. So I definitely wouldn't change that. I got exposed to all kinds of cool stuff. And now my kids, I pl- I've actually planted roots here, even though my husband is active duty in the DC area and my kids don't get that opportunity. So my way of kind of fulfilling in that is when he goes somewhere we visit often, uh, we kind of, you know, change it up and then we travel a lot. And I'm very open to that because I think of all of the experiences I had growing up from the military. Oh yeah. I remember being in Germany and I was, I was little, 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 little. In fact, they wanted to fail me in kindergarten because I didn't know what a chimney was because I had grown up in like Arizona and Texas. And why do you need a chimney and a fireplace in those hotter, hotter climates? 
So I didn't know what a chimney was. And I think, well, as my mom tells the story, of course, that they almost failed me and she had to go fight with the school. But I remember going to the castles there and I have just this enormous fascination with history now and castles. I watch these castle shows on TV. I do want to give a quick shout out to Tyndall Air Force Base down in Florida because I, I love that area. My dad ended up retiring there for about, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And I made that trip often. One time I made the trip from Massachusetts straight down there, just drove, slept in my truck. And that's one of my favorite vacation areas is those beaches along there on the east side of, of the Air Force Base. And it's it's an amazing, amazing area. And it's it's amazing when you see the, the fighters, you know, they, they do all the um, the exercises down there and you can be out there crabbing and fishing and you just have to plug your ears sometimes because these these fighter jets are just it seems like a stone's throw away. So it's just amazing. So I know there's a lot of people out there that visit the area. So I wanted to give a shout out to Tyndall. It's funny you say that in the in the army. I'm sure you know this, but others might not. All the different services have very different locations, right? Some in the middle of America, some on the coast, some, you know, in the not so fun places. And in the not so fun places, usually if they're there, the town around them is like the most thriving town because of the military population being there. But in the army bases, I used to be kind of jealous of all the people in like the Air Force and like the Navy because they had the most gorgeous bases. They were on the water and they were around all the beautiful things. And then in the middle of the state, there was the army guys, you know, and gals working. And so it was always funny to go visit the bases. And like, you know, it was like a treat growing up to go visit the Navy exchange and the <laughs> Air Force exchanges because they were always in the most gorgeous locations. And the community around them was always so built up and so cool. It's interesting. I want to go back real quick. You mentioned that you never went to chemistry class uh, in high school. What's funny about that is because of the moving around, this was another benefit. I think some people might say, well, you lost your, you lost your senior year, but I actually graduated an entire year early because I moved in the middle or I moved in my senior year and guess what every, or I moved to my junior year and my junior year ended up being my senior year because when we moved to a different state, everything translated different. So I literally graduated entire early because of that. Uh, and so I graduated at 17 years old, went into college. And my mom was always like, you never like, let me get prom with you and let it You missed out on all the senior stuff. But I was so grateful for that experience because it kind of set me in a, another path away from my peers, but in a positive way, but same thing. There's, there's things that happen whenever you're doing that, when you're going from state to state, when you're going from school to school, that things just translate differently. So while you didn't get chemistry class, I missed out on a whole year of school and I couldn't be happier. I wouldn't even (laughs) thought of that. Oh my goodness. As we as we close up, so you, you touched on the parallels between IO psychology and the military. And I, I look at this and say, who knows better than destiny? So how is IO psychology playing a role in military organizations? Also, once people transition out of the out of the military, how are <clears throat> how are those, you know, maybe they didn't work in the field of IO psychology while in the military, but how are they set up and poised? because of their their transferable skills, because of their skill set, to have a successful career in industrial organizational psychology? It's a good question. Let me 
close off with this interesting, I say interesting because I'm reading it now and I'm like, interesting uh, poem that I wrote, Jeremy, about the transition experience. So it's called Your New Mission, Transition. When I raised my right hand, my intent was to serve the traditions, the customs, the values I had preserved. My teammates worked with me. My comrades were there. The duties, the missions, the regulations were fair. The closer I got to the end of my term, the more difficult the decision to leave was affirmed. So many before me, but so many behind. What will I do next? What will I find? They call it transition, but I call it the end. My achievements, my responsibilities, how will they blend? Translate my skills, translate my mission. Suddenly I'm supposed to know the path I envision. During my time in service, it was always a team. Now I'm supposed to know how to dream. How will I find it? How will I know? How will I know which way I should go? So many questions and so many paths, so much information I'm supposed to grasp. Remember the team, but this is transition. Time to focus on you, your future. That's your new mission. So if you sit there and you think about those words, there's a lot that can even resonate within, once again, going into this field of unknown, <laughs> this misbranded field of biopsychology. And in, within that poem, you asked how can service members poise themselves? There are so many transferable skill sets, competencies, and what we call collateral or extra duties in the military that people have that they do not take into account. For, and, and those build the soft skills. The technical skills are your occupational code. The soft skills, the leadership skills, the emotional intelligence skills. I can go on and on and on and on and on. We don't have enough time for that. Really, it's about that transferability mindset. And the same is really parallel to the field of IO. Because what do we talk about, Jeremy? You have to bring IO into workplaces. You have to bring those IOE things back into a place. And you use experiences you've built along the way to do that. Not always professional experiences, sometimes personal experiences or different kinds of skill sets that you built in different ways. So same things. If you're looking, if you're a service member out there or a veteran or a military spouse or military connected somehow, and you don't know how to translate into the field of IO, reach out. There's a group of us that would love to be able to help you kind of find your way. Same thing kind of parallels to the field of IO. If you're not sure, stop. Think about the things that you should give yourself what I call do credit, D-U-E credit for along the way, the grad school experiences those professional engagements you've had, that volunteer stuff you've done. There's so many things you can do to take credit for that really translate into the field of biopsychology. There you go. How did you enjoy my poem, Jeremy? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I loved everything. Three things. I love your use of the uh, phrase, uh, IOE. I love the <laughs> IOE things. I love that. Second, that was a pretty good transition to my question. And for the audience, we do everything off the cuff. We don't plan questions. There's, there's, we, uh, most of the time we determine what the topic is when we hit the record button. So we don't even know then. And then third, have you posted that poem on say LinkedIn? I posted it probably like a year ago. Um, I'll, I'll keep reposting because you know, things get lost on there. So, but yeah, it's on there somewhere and I'll, I'll make it come back to life. How about that? Love it. Yes. <laughs> and as we close out a, an enormous happy veterans day and thank you from the bottom of our hearts from all who served 
And Destiny, I will turn it over to you to final comments and to close this out. Yeah, same. Thank you. Thank you for serving. I know sometimes people say it feels awkward to hear that, but the truth is we do thank you because without you, we wouldn't have some of the freedoms and things that we do have in this country. And once again, it's about taking that due credit, D-U-E credit. Thank you. And if you once again have any questions or you want to talk more about this stuff, as you could probably hear it through my voice and throughout, I mean, I've tried to hide the emotion in some cases, but I've I'm very passionate about this, this mission of helping people kind of tie the, tie the, you know, connect the dots, tie the bow, thread it, however you want to say it. So please feel free to reach out and know that there's so much opportunity, both from a personal perspective of people entering into the field, especially with a military background and organizations to take full advantage and leverage those skill sets as well. So thanks, Jeremy. It was fun. Thank you. It was fun. And until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at Seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.